Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real privilege to be here with you all. Oh, just to worship together. Wasn't that amazing? And hear the word of the Lord spoken so powerfully into our hearts. Just as I was sitting there and, and thinking about these chappies here, I was thinking, um, and I just felt the Lord would say, call out what you see, Anne. Call out what you see over them um, for the church to hear. Um, and I just, I was just so struck by Terry. I just could see him um, holding these lambs in his arms, like holding a bundle of lambs, not just one, there were loads of lambs in his arms, um, and just the sense of him just carrying them close to his heart as Jesus carries us close to his heart. Terry carries people close to the Father's heart, um, and I just wanted to sort of say that um, to you all. That's that's who is in charge at the, ch- at the helm here at the moment, and Dave as well. Dave, I just saw um, you kind of hitting the streets and declaring Jesus actually. It was interesting that, that Terry's the one going out on Friday night um, because I, I just felt evangelist, evangelist over you. And I also felt, you know, I don't think you've ever been that comfortable in church. <laughs> and I don't know if that's true, but I just felt like God saying, you're never going to be comfortable. You're never going to be comfortable in the building. You're never going to be comfortable in church as it is because I've called you to unsettle things and shake things and to go out and reach um, the lost with the word. Um, so I just felt that really over the two of you um, just this morning. And I also felt um, that there's a sense in this place right now where God is lifting the lid um, in here and he's releasing gifts in the body that have been shut away and hidden and silent um, for quite a while. Um, and something new is stirring and arising. And there's some of you that are, are feeling an urgency to do something that you've never done before or maybe you have done it, but it's laid dormant for a while. And I don't, I don't be surprised if you find yourself wanting to press out and press in to what the Lord is calling you to. I just believe there's a, a release of gifts um, over some of you that, that it's just quite exciting um, right now. Does that resonate? Give me a nod if that resonates. Yeah, amazing, amazing. I'm just going to pray before we kind of dig in. Lord, we worship you. And Lord, we thank you that you're here, and we thank you that you're moving powerfully amongst us. And I just want to speak a yes and amen over the gifts that you're releasing in this body, and a yes and amen over the way that you are encouraging and drawing people out in new ways. And I just want to ask, Lord God, that you would awaken your children to all that you're calling them to. Those gifts in some of them that have laid dormant for a while, that you're saying, no, now's the time to bring it again. Now's the time to do that again. Some of you have maybe written that off as a, or maybe that was for then and not for now, and the Lord's just saying, no, I haven't said that. You've spoken that over you. I haven't said that. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would release more in this body. Father, we thank you that we are a body, that we all play our part, that we're all called to serve that we're all anointed by you, chosen by you. And we just thank you, God, for for Terry and for Dave and the rest of the team here, and we ask for your blessing upon them, for your empowering, for a fresh release of your anointing upon them, Jesus, and a real sense of togetherness, God, as Barnabas moves forward into 2019. 
Amen. Amen. So, it's so fab to be with you. We're going to look this morning, if you've got a Bible, um, at Acts chapter 12. Um, This is a passage that I've been kind of living in for a little while, and the Lord just keeps bringing new things out, and I just really want to share some of this with you um, this morning. Before we kind of delve into the passage, you maybe got it open in front of you, Um, I really believe that we're in an interesting time in the nation. You know, we've just prayed, haven't we, um, for for Brexit and all the joy uh, of all of that. And it's so uncertain right now, isn't it? But I believe that we're in a time as the church where the Lord is calling us to get ready, where the Lord is calling us to arise and awaken and to listen to him and to press in. And I do believe that something is happening. Something is stirring. Something that we haven't seen before. Gavin and I have the privilege of ministering in quite a lot of places, in Britain in particular. Um, and it's just amazing to see the, the increase in prayer meetings in particular. The amount of people that are, are pressing in in prayer. The amount, the miraculous, the way that the Spirit is moving in, in really surprising situations situations at the school gate and in the workplace and all over the place. God is doing amazing things by the power of his spirit. And I believe he's saying, come on, church. I want you in this. I want you part of this. Wherever you are in the nation, I want you to be alert to what I'm doing. Um, Back in October in 2016, I was out running. I try and make running a a regular thing um, because I like cake and I quite like a glass of wine. And yes, I need to eat. Uh, I need to run to, to balance things out in my life. But I was running and it was dark and it was really foggy. There was just a heavy fog and it was about six o'clock in the morning and I thought, what am I doing out in this? And I felt fear just kind of crush over me me and just that feeling, oh my word, do I go home? I just don't want to keep going. And right into that place of kind of fog and darkness and fear, I felt the Lord begin to speak to me and obviously weigh it and test it according to your walk with the Lord. But I felt him say this, my child, I'm raising up an army. I'm not raising up an army that carry weapons of destruction that hold in their hands clubs and knives. I'm raising up an army whose weapons are my word and spirit. Word and spirit. I saw a man in my mind's eye kind of sharpening swords and felt the Lord was saying, I'm sharpening my people. I'm sharpening the tools in their hands so that the truth can cut deep into the hearts of many. Then I saw a child's face and the light from this huge flame torch came near and lit up her face. And I felt the Lord say, my royal priesthood, my holy nation are being set apart. I'm setting their faces like flint to walk into the darkness. And I'm not in pretty, very intelligent. So when I got back, I looked up flint. I was like, what's that? Massive a sense of real determination. I'm setting their faces with such determination to walk into the darkness. Then I saw a huge procession of people carrying these flame torches through the night, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. By his Holy Spirit, 
He'll shine on those living in darkness. We long for it, don't we? And just as I continued to jog, I just felt him saying, I'm raising up an army, Anne. I'm raising up an army. I am, I am, I'm raising it up, not you. You're not doing it, Anne. I'm doing it. Let me be God in this. Let me do this. But I need you to know. And I need you to tell and I need you to share because that is what I am doing. And it's an army that's prepared to lay down the ways of the world, to lay down what the world would draw us into and try and drag us towards, to lay that down before the King of Kings at his altar and follow the way of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? It was amazing. When I got back, I like wrote it all down like really, really fast. And I was thinking, how do I remember that? Only Jesus. Because my memory is shocking, isn't it, Gav? <laughs> it's absolutely shocking. So to remember it was, t- it was just amazing. And I just thought, okay, Lord, you're calling us to arise like an army. What does that look like? And so we come to Acts this morning and I really felt like I've been digging for some answers and some, some ways, some tools really in, in my hand to go, okay, this is the stuff that we need to grab so that we can advance with word and spirit, so that we can move forward into what he's saying to us at this time in our generation in 2019. So let's look at this. I'm going to read from verse 1 through to verse 17. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. That's interesting. So he must have been naked, mustn't he? Put on your clothes and your sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they'd walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, 
where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door! You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said, and then he left for another place. Isn't that an amazing bit of scripture? I just was really struck just then. I've not seen that before. But, you know, in verse 10, it says, When they'd walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. So the angel comes right into the worst bit of darkness that he could possibly have found himself in, in chains, stripped naked, probably beaten, in this utter, utter place of darkness, the angel comes. And when he's free, completely free, and they've gone the length of a street out, then he goes. So God sends his angels into those places when we are most desperate for him, where it is so, so dark. It's like, how can anything change in this space? And God sends his messengers And then when things are a little bit easier, the angel goes. God doesn't leave him, but he sends his angel. Isn't that amazing? I just saw that then. That's cool. Okay, so four things, guys, that I really believe that the Lord is saying to us through this passage and about to the church right now. The first thing is this, pray. Pray. How good are we at praying? People good? Anyone good at praying? It's not an easy thing, is it? In verse 5, it says the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The church was earnestly praying for Peter. And then in verse 12, where many people had gathered and were praying. And we see all the way through Acts, the church gathering again and again and again and again to pray. As soon as you said that you were meeting tonight to pray, I was like, yes! Because it's just, it's the absolute fundamental thing that the church needs to do. You know, you can imagine the disciples, can't you? At the beginning of Acts, Jesus has ascended in John and they're there and they're like, what do we do? What should we do now? And so they start to pray. They start to come together to pray. They're uncertain, they're uneasy, they don't know what's going to happen. And they start to pray. And then the Holy Spirit comes. Look what happens. And the church spreads, but the disciples never, ever stop praying. The early followers, as the Lord adds to their number, they keep on listening. They keep on waiting. They keep on getting into his presence because they know that that is the only fuel that is going to sustain them. I love it, you know, that the Lord says, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. He doesn't call it a house of preaching, much as we wish he did, where he calls it a house of prayer. Because where prayer happens, we see moves of God. Where prayer is happening, things change, circumstances change. I've had the privilege of um, being out in Turkey and ministering amongst uh, Iranian 
refugees, and they're just some of the most incredible people. And it's the fastest growing church in the world in Iran. I don't know how many of you know that, um, but they are passionate for Jesus. And most of them have been in solitary confinement, and their stories are unbelievable. And when you say pray to them, they all just like the prayer is like it's power it's like just this powerhouse of prayer it's so inspired me um in my local context in london we've up to try and pray and pray more as a church and as a team we're just trying to press in in prayer but you know in one of the prayer meetings that they had in iran there were 60 of them gathered in a room and as they began to pray one girl in that room had a vision of six churches And she could see these six churches, and she felt the Lord was saying to her, that's what I'm going to do through you. I'm going to plant six churches. And she was just like, what? How can I? How can I? How can that? How can that happen? But in the midst of prayer, God releases vision over the people doesn't he? God begins to show us what he has on his heart for us to do. And she went on to go and plant five of those six churches. Then she landed in solitary confinement because she was preaching the word too much. And then she came out of prison. But in the midst of prison, she was like, this is never going to, how am I ever going to plant that other church? God's still done it. God's still done it. It's absolutely awesome. She's planted six churches, but it came out of prayer. The early church was birthed through prayer. And so our prayer life is absolutely vital on our own and with one another. What is God doing in prayer? What is he saying to you as a church in prayer? What is he saying to you as you gather in small groups through prayer? What is he saying to you in your quiet time when you you seek his face? What is he calling you to in prayer? You know, I also believe that, that prayers of repentance are vital. The other week we were gathered as about 15 of us to pray and one of the women in the group began to cry. And I was thinking, what, what, are you, what is happening here? Why are you crying? And a little bit later on, when we were reading the word and, and just continuing to press in, two of them left the room. And, that, and one of them was the one who'd been weeping. And I was thinking, where have they gone? And when they came back in, there was just this joy and this freedom over the two of them. And later on, I discovered that during prayer, the one who'd started to cry had felt convicted over something she'd said to somebody else in the room. And she couldn't continue in prayer because of the conviction in her heart. And she had to get right with that person before they could continue in prayer. In prayer, conviction from the Holy Spirit, in prayer, freedom. And I just believe that God is wanting to bring about restoration and he wants to repair relationship and he wants to bring people back together through prayer. Because when we see him, when we see his face, when we're aware of his presence, it changes us. And we go, okay, this isn't okay. I'm not okay in this space. I'm not okay with this situation being as it is. I need to do something. And God wants to show you how he sees you, what he wants to do through you, and how he wants to change your relationships for his glory in prayer. So if we haven't got that one, prayer is the first point. The second thing is this, wake up, wake up. 
You've heard that before, the murmur in the room. I'm thinking they've heard that before. People have been saying that to you. But I just, this is the most interesting wake up moment in, that I've ever seen. In verse seven, an angel struck Peter on the side and woke him up. <laughs> how, I don't know how you feel about that, but I was just thinking, I'm there in chains and, and naked and the scent, there's guards on either side and you, you're asleep. You somehow he's managed to get to sleep and then an angel comes and wakes him up. I mean, man, did we know that God was in the business of doing that, of waking people in that kind of way, of like that kind of like, Wah, come on. There's this urgency that I believe is coming over the church, this sense of, get up, come on, wake up, wake up to what I'm doing, wake up to what I want to show you, wake up to to a new perspective on your life, wake up to have new eyes on what I'm doing on the nation. And I really believe part of that is about discerning what it is that makes you sleepy. What is it that, that makes you drowsy? What is it that makes you weary? I was reading in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 19 to 21, and I read this right in the midst of Christmas consumption, let's say. And it says this, Listen, my son, daughter as well, and be wise, and keep your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. For gluttons and drunkards become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Drowsiness clothes them in rags. So essentially, some of the things that we do, and it might not be necessarily gluttony or drunkenness, but some of the things that we do and embroil ourselves in, clothe us in rags. They make us drowsy and they stop us from standing out and being set apart in the land that we're in, in the street that we're in, in the house that we're in, around our family. Some of the decisions that we make daily, some of us, clothe us in rags. And I believe that part of what the Lord is wanting to do is take off the grave clothes. You know, it's a Lazarus moment. Take off the grave clothes and let them go. Leave that stuff behind. Leave that stuff behind. Leave that at my altar. Has anyone seen The Crown? Has anyone watched The Crown? We're a bit, I was a bit of a fan of that. Not many. One? Oh, not many people. Oh, it's quite amazing about the royal family. Um, but there's this just amazing bit at the beginning. And the king is smoking and smoking and smoking in the palace and everywhere, all around. And there's this moment where I just was watching it thinking... Why is he smoking so much in front of all those people in those small rooms? And what he's just, what is he doing to himself? And then he starts coughing. And when he coughs, he ends up coughing up blood. Has anyone seen it? And he gets iller and iller and iller and iller. And it turns out that he has lung cancer. And then he dies. And at no point does he stop smoking. And I was thinking, why doesn't he stop? He has no idea that what he is doing is killing him. No idea at all that actually that activity is making him sleepy. It is killing him. It is damaging him. And I think sometimes the things that we're doing, you know, right now in our nation at this time that are killing us. 
And God is saying, I just want to put my finger on that. I just want to put my finger on that habit, on that thing. And I want you to know that's not good. And it's because I have so much more that I want to do in you and so much more that I want to do through you and so much more that I want to show you. I um, had this really weird, you have to bear with me, really weird picture um, about a year ago of this very, very, very large person sat in a chair and it was a big armchair and they were kind of, they were kind of stuck in this chair. And as I was looking at this picture, I could just see this person just consuming and consuming and consuming over and over and over again. And I was thinking, stop, stop, because you're getting so big. And I was thinking, and I I think, to be honest, the Lord was really speaking to me. But as I looked on it and I saw this kind of level of consumption going on, I just, I realized that this person could no longer move out of the chair. And that when they went to, they couldn't. They couldn't shift from where they were. And I was like, Lord, that can't be you. That can't be you speaking to me. What, what, are, you, what are you trying to say here? And I felt my mind just being drawn into John chapter 21. And there's this incredible moment where Jesus is there on the beach with the disciples. You know it. And it's when he's been resurrected and he comes to Simon Peter And he says, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says, feed my lambs. And then again, doesn't he, a second time, Simon Peter, do you really love me? Yes, Lord, of course I do. Feed my lambs. And then again, a third time, Simon Peter, do you? Do you? Really, really love me? How much? How much do you love me? What are you prepared to do for me? How much do I matter to you? Feed my sheep. And we see that, and I was like, okay, Lord, what has that got to do with that? And all I heard him say simply was this, stop feeding yourself, Anne, and start feeding others. And I just thought, Lord, What are the things that are making me drowsy? What are the things that's making me stay here, stuck where I am, and stopping me from feeding your lambs, stopping me from pushing out into the arenas that you're calling me to push into, to share your love? Because you know the other thing about that is we do it because we love him. We love him so much that we want to feed his people. We want people to come into relationship with him. We want to pray for them. But if we're drowsy, if we're sleeping, we don't move from where we are. The third thing is this, break free. 12 and verse 7, light shone into the cell Light came into the darkness. And then the second part of that verse, the chains fell off Peter's wrists. I just, this is just the most incredible bit. And then 12 verse 10, this, the guarded iron gate opens for them by itself. This guarded iron gate opens for them by itself. Peter is in darkness. He is in chains. He is guarded on every side. I mean, I just keep looking back at it and going, 
how many soldiers are there there? Because there are two on either side. There are sentries at the entrance. There are first and second guards between the cell and the city gate. So there's just, from where he is, the amount of, of guards on his way out and an iron gate and chains. How on earth is he getting out of that? How on earth? And yet, God, Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, chains break off and an angel leads him out. I can't even count that many gods. I mean, that's just mental. And a gate. And I don't know for you where you're at in your life and how many gods you can see and how many chains you have around your wrists and how many iron gates are positioned but God can break through all of it God does want to bring freedom in your circumstances in your family lives in your friends lives he does want to break free he does want to set us free and you know I'm kind of a bit fed up of reading this in here I want to see it. I want to see that happen in my generation. And I don't just want to hear about it in Iran. I want to see it in England. I want to see that kind of move of the miraculous where we sit back and go, only God can do that in that person's life. You know, Gavin and I um, used to run the youth at a big conference called New Wine. We ran it for 10 years, and and the Lord moved. It was amazing. But there was one moment that just stands out in my mind um, in particular, and we were worshipping. That's why I had the image with the hands up, because we were all in the midst of worship, and there were 14 to 18-year-olds, just hundreds of them, just worshiping the Lord. It was so beautiful. And in the midst of this time of worship, um, there was like a bit of a cacophony that went on in the middle of the room. And I was like, what on earth is going on? What on earth is happening there? And sort of as we sort of drew the worship to a close, um, this little group of girls came forward and said, you're never going to believe what's happened. And I was like, tell me, tell me. And she said, well, this girl had tattooed the words worthless on her arms. She'd used a pen knife and tattooed the words worthless on her arms. And during worship, God had healed her forearms. The Lord Jesus healed her in worship. We didn't even like gather around her or do anything. He just did it. He just broke through in power in her life. You know, back in October, I was in Lincoln, um, sharing this this message actually and during this point in the message as as I was coming into land there was a 17 year old girl and she came from the back down onto her knees at the front and she began to weep and as we began to worship at the end she said to me Anne I've I just, I can't be set free. I just, I can't be set free. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't believe it can happen. She said, I, I've been absolutely tied into pornography for three years. And she said, and then she kind of looked at me and she just could hardly breathe. And she's like, and I've been masturbating. God can't get me. And I just looked at her and tears flooding down her face. I said, he can And the fact that you're here on your knees believing him, he can do it. He can set us free. 
He can set you free. And he just came and ministered to her in the most awesome, gentle, beautiful way as she sobbed her heart out. And her friends just gathered around and the Lord just met with her. And you know, there's some situations that we think we are not able to get out of. We are not able to get free. And there's things that we've had for years in our lives and we think there's no way out. And I just believe God can do it. And I'm going to pray for it. And I'm going to believe that God wants us to see more of that. I just believe, I mean, I just believe even as I'm saying that for some of you, it's just the enemy is just so strong in that. Just going, "Ah, she's talking nonsense. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to her. Like you, you carry on believing the lies that I've been whispering in your ear for those years because she's talking nonsense. Because he knows that the stuff that God has over your life that he's calling you into and he is trying to silence that. And he is trying to silence that with fear. For some of you, there's like a heavy weight of fear. There's somebody else, and I can just see them now, and your feet are like in treacle. In fact, it's more like super glue, and you can't lift your feet to move. He's got you held there. And the Lord just says, I am not okay with that, and I can move you. And I don't care what age you are, and I don't care what you've gone through, and I don't care the shame over your life, and I don't care because I love you, and I want to liberate you, and I want to lead you into spaces, wide open spaces that you've never imagined. Yes, Lord, we want that. We do want that, Lord. The final thing um, in verse 9 Sorry, it's really strong. (laughs) In verse 9, so the final thing is believe for more. And this is probably my favorite bit of the passage because Peter doesn't believe that this is happening, even though it is happening to him. In verse 9, Peter had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. And then we go a bit further down to verse 14 and 15, and we see that the believers don't believe what is happening. Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told Rhoda. They said, it must be his angel. Peter keeps on knocking. For goodness sake, guys, I'm here. I'm free. Look and see. I'm free. You're out of your mind. I can't believe that. I can't believe that. And this is something that I really believe is over the Western church. No, that's never going to happen. No, we can't believe for that. No, even though they're praying for it to happen. They're praying and they're believing. They're believing for it to happen. And yet when it does... You're out of your mind. You know, one of our biggest problems is a lack of faith and belief and trust in our king. And yet, I'm also so encouraged by this because we're human, aren't we? And we do doubt and we do struggle and we do have moments where we just don't believe that something's going to happen. And when we do pray, we are struggling. Can that really happen, God? 
But I just felt in preparation that the Lord was trying to just put his finger on some stuff here and say, what are you be- believing? What are you praying for, but not believing for? What are you praying for, but not believing for? What are the things that you've maybe like declared to the Lord again and again and again, but actually you don't believe it can happen? Because I just believe the Lord wants to minister faith and expectancy again. And just that belief, you know what, guys? It can. And as a body together, we can believe for more. Because he will do it as we press in together. Are we expectant for him to do more? I'm going to come in to finish in a second. Well, I, um, I've been feeling really challenged. I've been reading this book recently. And this guy is like, you know, just pray for them. Just, just go pray for them. Just go do it. And I've just been there going, oh, how can I do that, God? Um, I'm okay doing this, but that, ah. And there was this girl at the school gate um, last week. And she said to me, and my son is in year four, and it's his best friend's mom, and she's not a Christian, and it was a bit of an awkward moment, but she was talking about her back, and she just said, and my back has been giving me a lot of pain um, in the last week, and my work is really hard, and, and I'm really, I'm struggling with my work, actually, and I could see sort of fear over her. Am I going to be able to continue in my job because of my back? And I, there was loads of people all around us, and I was like, no, Jesus, I don't want to do this now like please don't but I'd been asking him you know God give me opportunity God use me God take me ah oh so I just um said to her can I pray for you (laughs) yes please can I put my hand on your bag yeah okay and her son sort of looks up at me like who's that woman (laughs) what is she gonna do And so I just put my hand on her back and I just said, I'm just going to pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that your back be healed. And she went, okay, Anne. So I did, quite simply, quickly took it off. (laughs) In church, I'd be there like for a little while. Yes, Lord. But I was just quite quick about it. Took my hand off. And, um, and it, was, it was an amazing thing because the next morning she called across the playground and she said, Anne, my back's better. And I just pointed up and went, in his name. And I just thought, it wasn't a big thing, really. It really wasn't a big thing. And she could have just said no, couldn't she? She didn't have to. But God says, I want to take your words, I want to take your works, and I want to show my wonders. And I want to reveal my kingdom power. And I want to do it through you. And I want you to pray and ask me where and when and what. And I want to set you free from the stuff that holds you back, that fear, the, that Britishness, that reserve that we have, that heaviness that comes over us. He says, I want to liberate you from that. And I want you to wake up. And stop doing the stuff that ties you back and holds you back. And I want you to believe me that I can do it. Can we stand, church? If you're willing and able to stand, let's just, let's just pray. I've gone over my time. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And Lord, we thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would just increase, increase your presence, increase your power. 
amongst us. Lord, we look to you. And we're just going to wait a minute or two and just see if there's anything specific that he wants to put his finger on for anybody today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Just that sense that when I was talking, there's a couple of people in the